Welcome to the Content Strategy Experts podcast brought to you by Scriptorium. Since 1997, Scriptorium has helped companies manage, structure, organize, and distribute content in an efficient way. In this episode, we talk with Dawn Stevens of ComTech about trends that are of interest to techcom managers. Dawn, hi. Thanks so much for being a guest on the podcast today. Hi, Sarah. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. So to get things started, for those of us who don't know, tell us a little about yourself and ComTech and also the Center for Information Development Management. Sure. Again, I'm Don Stevens, and I have been in technical communications basically my entire career, which is now well over 30 years. I'm one of those few people who started off saying, you know, I think I'll be a technical communicator. And uh, so I, I went to school for it I, and um, have been working in it the entire my entire career. And I was fortunate early on in my career to find ComTech. And so I wor- I've actually worked at ComTech twice. I worked for uh, Joanne and for 10 years in the 90s. Then I left because my children were small and I wanted to tra- didn't want to travel as much and those types of things. And then I came back after my youngest went to college and have been back since 2010. So I've been here at ComTech a total of well over 20 years. And I purchased it actually now five years ago, if you can believe that, Sarah, five years. Yeah, okay. um, so ComTech has been, is, is a competitor really of Scriptorium from, you know, your, your, your introduction is, yeah, that works for ComTech as well. Uh, we've been in existence <laughs> since 78, um, I believe is when Joanne uh, formed it. And then about, oh, 25 years ago, she started um, the Center for Information Development Management, which is an organizational membership for um, managers largely to talk about concerns that have to do with uh, managing technical communications and you know the challenges that are associated with the unique people that you manage and the people that you have to work with in terms of stakeholders and so on. And so that membership organization sponsors uh, uh, conferences and things like that. Yeah, and so, I mean, in my mind, we're friendly competitors yes. <laughs> because every once in a while we bid on the same project and, you know, one of us gets it and the other one doesn't. Mm-hmm. But what I think is more important is that we, you know, as as business owners and all of that, we have a lot of the same issues and challenges. So, you know, I really value having access um, and getting to talk to you and people like you, you know, in that peer group about all of our, our mutual pain and suffering. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> so, so with, you know, with that position that you have, you know, as an industry consultant and also with CIDM, uh, I wanted to ask you about trends, like what's happening in techcom that's of interest or maybe that techcom managers are are terrified about. And I guess we really have to start with hiring, right? Yeah, absolutely. It's it's an interesting time the last couple of years with the pandemic and some of the changes that have been just general, um, you know, in any kind of industry, that whole quote unquote great resignation, is that really um, impacting us? Um, I would say there's definitely been challenges as managers of people are leaving, people are uh, not necessarily leaving the industry, but redistributing is what I've seen a lot within mm-hmm. my clients of, of, oh, you know, there's greener pastures over here. There's a bit more competition, I guess, for uh, getting people. And, you know, I've got a lot of people who keep coming to me and saying, you know, what do we do to attract people? And there's been some interesting challenges, you know, associated with 
with, well, what are we looking for? What kinds of people should we be looking for? How do we make the industry as a whole more attractive? Yeah, and redistribution is, or resorting maybe is a really interesting point because people aren't, I mean, some people are leaving the industry, uh, I mean, across the board, not just ours, but a lot of people are just going from the big company to the small company, or Mm -hmm. they're moving up in the world, or they're leaving the company that won't let them continue to work remotely, Mm -hmm. or they're leaving the company that isn't going back to the office. You know, there are some people out there that think offices are are fun and that want an office Mm -hmm. uh, as opposed to working out of their house. So within that, are people moving into certain kinds of specialist positions or generalist positions? What does that look like? Yeah, I think that that's actually the the key piece of this redistribution or resorting um, is that there's been kind of, I guess, a, a cycle that I have seen over the years of do we have generalists, we have um, technical communicators who can basically do everything. You know, you you write, you index, or you you create a taxonomy nowadays. You have to be able to deal with your formatting in some manner. You have to write, uh, create your own uh, art. You know, all of those types of things as a whole generalist, you need to be able to do everything at, versus there are specific areas that, you know, maybe interest you in within technical communication more than all of these other things. You're better at all of those. I mean, you know, if you ask me to create an illustration for a technical manual, you're going to be very disappointed. Uh, So, you know, so the people don't have all of those various skills. And so one of the things with this resorting um, that I'm really seeing is, do we need to specialize more? With with things like structured authoring, you know, a decade ago, these questions started coming up of, oh, do we need um, an information architect? Do we need, you know, content strategist, et cetera, as a, as a specific position, or is that something that everybody should just be able to do? And what I think I'm seeing more and more is, no, we're, we're back into that trend of we need the specialist. We need somebody who absolutely understands content strategy or information modeling or whatever, information architecture, whatever you want to call that, to really think about what are our goals, what, uh, what kinds of content are going to uh, meet the needs of our particular customers and how do we um, structure and uh, design those particular things and then somebody else who can write those things and somebody else who can program those things or film those things or you know whatever those things happen to be um, and then somebody who's an expert in SEO how can people find that content so we see I'm seeing more and more of I need to find people who have these specific skills and that's a challenge when you think about a lot of budgeting right budgeting tends to be headcount. Well, you can have 10 people, right? You know, whatever it happens to be. And um, the idea that, well, I've only got, of my 10 people, I've only got two people who actually want to be writers. And then there's somebody who wants to be a strategist for this and, you know, an expert in that. Um, That can be a big challenge for the managers. Right. And now your, your team of 10 with your one information architect, the information architect quits. Mm. (laughs) <laughs> and so, and the others are all, you know, specialized into not IA. Mm-hmm. And now, what do you do? Right. So, there's a risk. Yeah, I've always kind of associated generalist versus specialist with small company versus big company. Right. If you have one writer or two, or one or two technical communication people, they're going to have to be generalists yes. because you're not getting an illustrator or a an editor. Right. But 
it does seem as though some of these bigger groups are swinging in some ways towards, well, we do want some of these, you know, we'd like to have overlapping skills mm-hmm. um, and we want to kind of have the ability to take, you know, you or me and assign me to a new project, you know, that I'm not so specialized that I can only write, write this one thing. Mm-hmm. Now, how do some of those those newer titles fit into this? I mean, I'm hearing UX writer, I'm hearing content design. The other day, I actually saw somebody that said, what do you call like, like a, a UX writer for technical content? What would that be? Hmm. And I thought, well, that would be a technical writer. <laughs> Exactly. You know, it's, it's, oh, but that sounds so boring or um, unappealing in, in some manner. And I, I've always laughed about, you know, job titles to a certain extent. Um, at one point in my career, I just said, you know, call me the uh, scope change goddess because I was doing so many <laughs> projects where you know, projects kept changing. I'm like, that's my new title, right? So uh, titles have not seemed like they shouldn't be that important. And yet they are. And, you know, what do they do? Um, is certainly associated with that that title, and there therein is what I got. A lot of people in CIDM are talking about that of like, do you have any good sample job descriptions for what is it that an IA does or a UX writer does, or those types of things, and what does distinguish them from what we've always called a technical writer? You know, is there are there special skills that make you a UX writer as opposed to just a technical writer? You know, and I think that there are potentially aspects of that, certainly of understanding, you know, in a UX situation of of space and and how things fit together and, and how the eye goes through an interface and, you know, those types of things. So I think there are probably some special skills that you might call out. I don't know that that means the technical writer didn't have them in the first place, but in terms of what you're emphasizing for one of those particular job descriptions, I guess there's an emphasis more on a specific title. Yeah. And I guess, I mean, it is obviously short form, shortest possible form writing if you're doing strings that go on a software application versus a long form I'm going to explain to you everything that you need to know about relational databases. Mm-hmm. But, you know, how do you do that? I mean, are those really, I mean, I guess they could be subspecialties, right? They could be. I think there's a an interesting thing that just occurred to me. I mean, is that, of course, the UX part, the user part of it? And we talk a lot. I mean, you've talked about it. I've talked about it of that, you know, the importance the success of a technical writer is understanding their audience and, you know, who those users are. And yet, um, I still see that struggle happening a lot is that technical writers oftentimes in an organization are banned from talking to users, right? That, no, you, you weren't allowed to talk to them. I don't know what the fear is per se, but you're, you, you don't talk to them, only these types of people. And oftentimes that user part of a title, the user experience gives you maybe that permission, you know, to talk to, to people. Does that does that imply potentially skills that are different? You know, we know we've seen a lot of presentations certainly about how writers, technical writers tend to be more introverts 
I know Joanne did for a long, long time Myers-Briggs tests of every single person she could get her hands on in the industry Mm -hmm. and said, you know, yeah, mostly they tend to be introverted. Maybe they don't want to go out and talk to their users and so forth. They're just happy sitting at their computer and and writing. And there's that maybe implication that if you're a UX writer, there's more of that, hey, you need to go out and understand what your users really need. I don't know that I want to draw that line, but it's something that just, you know, kind of occurred to me as we were talking. (laughs) Yeah, it also feels to me, based on really no evidence or research whatsoever, we should clarify that that UX writer is the you know it's the new title, mm-hmm. and you know the old the old old title was technical writer, and then we had technical communicator, mm-hmm. and we've had information developer, and we've had you know we've had some other things like that. API writer, maybe. And, you know, the write the docs people will talk about documentarians. Mm -hmm. But UX writer feels like the cool new thing. It does. And I think that's an important aspect. You know, we have a an aging technical communicator community. You know, people have talked about that in the past is that we're not necessarily attracting the younger generation and something that sounds a little more cool, like you said, of, of, of being a UX designer, uh, maybe sounds um, more modern, sounds more interesting. You know, I've, I've talked to a, a variety of young people. I've asked some of the people who are in our industry that are younger, you know, what, why is it that our, our industry is aging? And it's been interesting to hear them say, well, you know, there is that perception of, well, technical writing, it doesn't it doesn't have a big impact to the world, right? And and that a lot of this new generation is, you know, wanting to make an impact, make sure that the that the world is, you know, that they're saving the world in some manner. You know, a, a joking about just like area of waste of like, oh, good God, if you print something, are <laughs> is that mm-hmm. that that nobody wants to be associated with? Oh, you're creating printed content. You know, that's a that's a big waste. And and, and even just the idea that from a writing perspective, you create manuals. Well, do anybody really read those manuals, right? At least with a UX design, they're using the interface. So you're having some kind of an impact on a person. And what I'm really hearing, and I'm not saying that I didn't want to do that when I was young either of making an impact, but I definitely seem to hear it more than ever that, you know, I don't want to write something that nobody ever looks at, right? I want to have an impact on people and make a difference in their lives. Yeah. So basically, you know, we've had such bad press for, (laughs) I'm going to say forever, you know, nobody reads the docs, et cetera. I will say the best definition of technical communication that I ever saw actually came from Tim O'Reilly, who said that it was the purpose, the purpose of technical content, of technical communication is to enable people to use the product successfully. Mm Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so it turns into this, it's just like good editing. If you do it well, it's invisible, right? People right. rarely say, oh, wow, that was a really fun experience of reading a five-step procedure about how to do a thing. <laughs> they just successfully get their washing machine to turn on or drain or reset and they move on mm-hmm. with their lives. So, yeah, I don't know. I don't know what that says about us, you know, as a group, other than I know that we are super, super terrible at marketing ourselves. <laughs> sure. Um, sure. Horrendous. The worst. And, and you know, there's a, there's a whole podcast in there about, <laughs> about why that is. But if you ever have a chance, go to a conference that is only tech writers, immediately followed one by one that is only marketing people. 
and <laughs> and reel at the difference. It is it is incredibly entertaining. Yeah. Well, I like the definition that you gave there. You know uh, that that if we did market it more that way, we are enablers. You know, but I think back to that UX design um, title and everything else. There is that ideal that has existed. You know, since long before you and I entered the scene too of you know we should be creating products that document themselves right and isn't that part of the implication of oh if i'm a ux designer or ux writer um, i'm helping to move in that direction well that's fine um but then i look at the research that says that 20 percent of product returns are because people can't figure out how to use the product Mm -hmm. so yes the products should be obvious and intuitive and self-documenting and self-healing and all the rest of it uh but they're not right so (laughs) and that gets to one other aspect not i think it gets to one other aspect of hiring or skills you know that really managers need to be thinking about is you know what is the relationship of the writer to the product designer right is that Mm -hmm. oftentimes as a writer you're trying to document something and you know, make it sound like a feature, or you know, those types of things. But it, or at least make it usable, and you can immediately see here it would be a whole lot easier to write this, or we wouldn't even have to write it if you could just make this one tweak to the way you've designed it. But we oftentimes see ourselves in this position, the way they've been hired in as a technical writer, um, the way that corporate culture is, whatever the, those factors are, that we're not the expert, right? The people we deal with are the call of the subject matter experts and we're just the writer right and and i spend so much time with my clients kind of coaching them to the to the idea of no you're not just a writer you are the writing expert or the user expert or you know let's put the word expert into our title as well and yes we're dealing with a subject matter expert um, who knows what they did what they does what they have designed for the product but that oftentimes needs some tweaking and can we build that relationship between them and from a hiring perspective that is something to take a look at is is how confident are the people that you're hiring will they speak up will they you know if they have a seat at an an agile development table or, or that type of thing would they say something to say you know i think we could improve this and then that would save me 20 pages of writing you know i think that's a really good place to leave this so (laughs) Uh, I'll be curious to see what, you know, what the people listening to this come up with um, in terms of feedback, because I think you and I have some strong opinions on where this is going and why it's going the way it's going. So all those of you out there, speak up. We want to hear from you, see what you think. And we we might need to do a follow up on this, okay. one, depending on what comes back. So Dawn, thank you. I'm going to wrap things up here. Thank you for listening to the Content Strategy Experts podcast brought to you by Scriptorium. For more information, visit scriptorium.com or check the show notes for relevant links. Thank you.